Hi, and welcome back to Governor's World. Well, we've given you the welcome. We've given you an insight in, is it difficult to change the life that we live? And the answer to that is, no, it's not. And then we did a mirror, mirror on the wall where I gave you a transparency insight into a little bit about myself and my background. So I thought it was only right, and so did Saf, that we gave you a bit of an insight in regards to the two people who Governor's World is actually made for and made by due to the legacy of my mum and dad, Malcolm and Pat. Malcolm was born in 1934. He left home at the age of 15. And in those days, he kind of didn't tell the complete truth about his age and joined the Royal Navy as an apprentice electronics engineer. He landed up working with a fleet air arm and doing some missions out in the Singapore jungle. And he left the Royal Navy in the 60s and pursued a life of going into publishing in South Africa during the middle 60s. He met and married Pat in 1960. 1961 they got married. 1962 they had my brother Peter and in 1964 they had a little old me. Fast forward to 1966 they emigrated to South Africa and started a new life with their four children out in South Africa. Yes, I said four. Malcolm was actually married before and had two children from a previous marriage, which he now had full custody of, as his first wife unfortunately passed away. So, out in South Africa with Pat, uh, give you a quick insight into Pat. She was born in 1940. She became a nurse and um, as I said, met my dad in 1960. They got married in 61. As I said, had my brother in 62 and little old me in 1964. So they start their life out in South Africa with mum looking after the four kids and dad getting involved in a stationary publication company. He moved from there to a pet company as a sales director and from there he went to work for General Motors or General Electrics. And from there, after being made redundant, he decided to take his one of his jack-of-all-trades, as he liked to call them, and started taking his experience as a sheet metal worker and changed it into becoming a tailor. So working from metal and going to material, cloth material. That's a big of a change. But the old man always used to say, a pattern is a pattern. What material you stick it on top of doesn't matter because a pattern is a pattern. You join it where the pattern tells you to. So from cutting metal or wood or paper or material, cloth material, it doesn't matter. A pattern is a pattern. And he was very good at what he now did as being a tailor. They opened up M&P alterations out in South Africa and they thoroughly enjoyed everything that they did within the business. 
but they were also involved in Junior Chamber of Commerce. Dad and Mum did a lot of public speaking. They did a lot of public debating. And they Dad did a lot of coaching and teaching people how to become a public speaker. Fast forward to 1979, it was a decision was made to move back to the UK where they then started looking around at what they could do once they moved back and lived here. They decided on becoming publicans. Landlord and landlady of a pub. And there started the name Governor. Used by the customers back in those days. How things have changed. And Governor was a word that kind of stuck around both mum and dad. They did 25 years or so running pubs and they also went out and took on pubs that needed to be brought back up to standards kind of thing. Whilst they were doing this, they unfortunately had to nurse my sister who was in the last terminal stages of cancer. They did it without moaning. They did it with absolute and utter compassion because that was their daughter and if that was the last things that they could do for her, then they would do it. In the meantime, they were also still working. Their staff at this particular pub were absolutely and utterly amazing. But Pat and Malcolm did both. They looked after their daughter and they ran the pub because that was their responsibility. They lost their daughter in the March of 1994. They had to bury their oldest child. I cannot imagine what that does to a parent of a child that has actually grown up into adulthood. I know what it does to a parent of a small child or a baby. It is absolutely and utterly mind-blowingly unbelievable. The emotions that you go through, the bereavement emotions that leave you feeling absolutely and utterly traumatised. So I can only imagine that that must be a hundredfold after having somebody in your life for all these years, making sure that they are following the right path and when they've strayed a little bit, bringing them back on. And that was Malcolm and Pat. They looked after my sister because they believed it was their responsibility as parents to do it. And as she was their daughter, that's what they were going to do. So I take my hats off to them. That must have been a hell of a strenuous period to be going through at that moment in time. Because obviously you can't really grieve whilst you're working downstairs in a pub with a pub full of customers. But they did it. They managed it. They got through it. And... That proved to me just how strong they were as people. They were very religious. They were very involved in the church once they had retired. And 
they lived within the same town as my son. They saw and did so many things in life. And dad and mum taught us so many things that we can carry forward and teach our children. And we can teach their children. And hopefully those little bits of knowledge will carry on down the line. Now, I've taken you up to a space where they've actually retired and they've moved into this quaint little village in the middle of absolute and utter nowhere. But it's beautiful. It is absolutely and utterly beautiful out there. These are people with, when you first met them, um, Dad especially, a, a lot of people didn't know how to take Dad um, because they found him quite full on in your face kind of thing yeah. which I don't think he meant to I just think it was kind of a little bit of like there was always a point with granddad like you had to just he didn't boss around anything you just got to the point there wasn't oh let me stop hearing this mellow quickly and tell you about the story of how I got here let's straight to the point sort it out there you go the problem sorted and that's just from from what he was taught when he was in the navy you don't bounce around problems you just get to them straight away the more you do that the less problems and the less time you're going to have to spend sorting out the problem that's at hand and i'm not gonna lie that was one of the things that granddad was best at because if we struggled at anything you can guarantee that that size 10 would be right up your backside <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gents boys and girls this is saf this is my saf i am the mum of saf Saf has joined us this afternoon to tell you a little bit about the governors. Um, the sense of humours that they had were absolutely second to none. We looked after... Mum died, unfortunately, on the 4th of July, 2021. And Saf and I went into looking after my dad for the next eight months and one week when we unfortunately then lost dad as well the day before my mum's birthday but they have left such a legacy behind that if I actually turned around and said to you Saf about a barbecue on the dunes in France oh gosh when we went away in 2006 Seven? Yeah, I yeah. believe it was. When we were sat watching the uh, ocean, um, the capturing sun. the sunset, and we had nothing on the beach to help us with one of those instant barbecues. We had no lighters, <laughs> because the wind kept blowing it out. It so wasn't an instant one. We had the little uh, yeah, the portable... Yeah, disposable one. But they didn't... But it wasn't a disposable get, one with that gas, we could get yeah, rid of with like gas that. lighter. And my mum told us, me and my two brothers, to go and find some dried out grass and some dried up sticks and to come back. And we did as we were told. We did exactly that. And it was it was good. It worked. We got the barbecue lit and we sat on the side of the Atlantic Ocean on the sea watching the sun go down. It was the Atlantic, wasn't it? It was the Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Pacific. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but yeah, it was I it think was they lovely. need to bring geography back into schools. <laughs> 
that would be a good lesson. But yeah, it, these are things, you know, Dad taught us that if you haven't got anything to light your barbecue or a fire with, then you go around and you look for the driest material that there is because that's going to actually spark the um, barbecue or fire and, and get it going for you. So those are little things that we've, we can pass down to our kids that we've, we were taught how to use. Were they strict parents? God, yeah, extremely strict. Mum used to turn around and go, you wait till your father gets home. But that was the era that things like that were said. You wait till your father gets home. And we knew that if we got to the stage where we were told, you wait till you get your father gets home, we knew that we had literally overstepped the mark. We had pushed boundaries that we shouldn't have pushed. It's as simple as that. But Pat, my mum, used to go out once a week on a Tuesday night to go and support some young people who she believed could do with some good parental support and guidance. Um, you know, people to speak to, somebody to who may have a better understanding of why they got themselves into the position as they did. So where did your grandmother used to go, Saf? <laughs> My nan nan used to take a little little visit down to the prison that they lived near in Holsley Bay. And she would go in there and the the inmates bless them. They were so lovely to her. Every time she'd walk in it'd be like, Grandma, you're here, Nan Nan, you're here and they would all literally try and get a, at least an hour with Nanan to just talk about what they'd done that week and how they'd felt and they just wanted someone to talk to and Nanan would be there for them to talk to instead of having one of the one of the um, prison girls just natter to. She would take them under their wing and be like, right, okay, Nan's here, talk to me, what's happening? And one of the lads actually made her a matchstick box out of matchsticks, which she still had until the day that she died and we now have it in our possession it's in an immaculate condition i can't believe it. it's about what 15 16 years old now that yeah. box yeah and absolutely amazing and the, the the reason that he did it was because he wanted to say thank you to my nan nan for getting him out of the position that he was in when he arrived <coughs> at the prison it was his way of showing his gratitude and she was she was so thankful for them she really was because she knew that they were good boys there was just things along the way in their life that just disrupted their course and she could see that I mean she'd brought up boys so she knew what was wrong <laughs> what are you saying about your uncles <laughs> no she, she is right though mum was a believer that everybody deserved a second chance and that people fall off the rails there's always a reason as to why they do it and then some when you think about why they've fallen off the rails, there is a way that you can get them back onto the right path. It just takes a little bit of time. It takes the right connection between people for those things to actually happen. So Pat was very compassionate. Not only was she compassionate, but she was also very much into telling people that they needed to stand up and
freedom songs. And the reason why she used to say and do things like that is because as she was growing up, obviously born in the 1940s, her parents again in a different era. And my grandfather was a very, very strict man, a very, very strict man. And obviously young girls when in with a strict man who shouts quite a lot and I believe that due to certain things that happened to my grandfather whilst he was in the Navy have had a or did have a serious effect on his mental well-being to know that one of the ships that you were on um, was torpedoed not long after you were taken off of it to go in for an appendicectomy must have a hell of a um, an effect on your mental well-being but Pat was always one to give people another chance and she was always there to help people who had fallen on hard times and the same as Malcolm because they both knew what it was like to fall on hard times it takes a village to help bring a child up but it helps a village keep a family together it's called community spirit. And that's something that's really lost. Oh, extremely lost now within society. It's, it's not as humble as it used to be. No, it isn't. There is no compassion. And people, and although people might say that I'm biased because they were my mum and dad, there are fewer people of their character and their personality still around today because of the way society is actually going it's sort of been conditioned out of us to be compassionate and sympathetic and empathetic and morally right to people people now will just be like yeah well it, it was done to me and i don't care it's like i i fully get that i see both sides of the story however we are all human beings, so we all still have the same compassion and empathy and sympathy sympathy as everyone else that we expect people to give us. Yeah. So when we, when we don't give it out, no wonder we don't get it back in return. Because why would someone want to give you back what you've not given them? It's the same as respect. It's earned, not just naturally there. Yeah. It's always earned. That's what I've grown up with anyway. So Wait, respect's always earned. It was like, with, as, as Nan Nan reached towards the end of her life and they arranged their own their own cremations and for a memorial service and Nan, one of the reasons of doing it was Nan Nan didn't a the family is scattered to the four corners of the earth yeah. so you had to pick a date where people had to be turn up and she didn't believe that there would be anybody who turned up but when we held the memorial service for her that could not have been any more people trying to pile into the church that day when we did the memorial and lo and behold it had to absolutely chuck it down with rain the, and create a bloody storm <laughs> that was no storm that was one hell of a hurricane that was my nan nan getting annoyed at everyone <laughs> <laughs> drinking the red wine and she wasn't absolutely. yes that, 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 that was a night it took one, two, three, four, five of us or six of us? It took seven of us to get my granddad from the common room, which was about five feet away, into his house again. And, oh gosh, he was so piddled. He was still piddled the next afternoon at three o'clock. <laughs> but they, they had lived in each other's pockets literally for the last 40 years, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
So and you know, especially in the last twenty years of yeah. their life as well. They, I think, the most that they'd spent away from each other in the last twenty years was a couple of nights. Yeah, it was a couple of nights. Yeah. and even then they'd call up and be like, right. Just making a last drink now. I'm gonna go to bed. It's like okay, Pep. Like I love you lots, and that that'd be their little ritual. And when he'd come back, or my nana would come back after being away for a certain amount of days, they'd literally be like they hadn't been away from each other. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we've always, all of us in the family, have always aspired to have. Is like always have that that person. They were each other's people. They were each other's yeah. person. Yeah. When when and he was a, when he was away at sea. And oh, he used to send her his letters. letters. Oh. All the kisses Would were... Would be how many days he had left until he was back on land with his missus in his arms. Yeah. It's like that I thought was so sweet. When we were cleaning out the house, we, I, I found all of the mementos and the memorabilia and everything that they'd kept over the... 60, 60 years. years of their marriage, the 80 years of their life. Like, they, they'd kept everything that was important to them all the sentimental factors they kept now i know where i've got it from <laughs> but i found about 25 30 letters from my granddad um the same to my nan nan to granddad from when he was away yeah uh, the postcards that they kept from whenever he went to a different port um oh it was lovely and all the places that they went as well they went to india they've been to egypt together after nan nan lived there they went to they went to Greece. They've been to Turkey. Yeah. Um, oh, they've been everywhere. Granddad's been out. He he went out to Singapore when he was in the in the navy. They've been to Bulgaria. Um, they went over to Bulgaria and stayed with my brother and my sister-in-law, Jazz. Um, they they were well travelled, and in lots of aspects and it wasn't just the information and the knowledge that we got from my dad we we got a lot of knowledge and that from my mum as well so we're, we're lucky in the fact that we had parents like we had because they were absolutely amazing strict absolutely but as I said, that was the era that we kind of all grew up in. But it's kind of, you know, there's funny little things that um, happen within the family that you look at and you, at the time, they could be kind of like quite, have quite serious consequences. But when you look back <laughs> and you think to yourself, yeah, you were a crafty old man, wasn't you? Hey, you really was. But he... He wasn't a lawbreaker to the fact where he went out and actually broke the law. He was very much, this is the law and that's what you were following. Um, we had great debates last year about this COVID thing. Um, and he was most insistent on the vaccinations and everything else. And I'm not too sure on it all because I'm seeing lots of medical problems now arising that weren't around before so he would debate with you but he would stand his ground if he believed that he was right oh yeah he would absolutely and utterly stand his ground i can remember when um 
my children were still small, still a lot younger than they were are now. I mean, they're all adults now. And mum and dad were around mine. Dad had had a cuppa and a piece of cake and he'd finished his piece of cake. And he turned around and he went, little legs. And this little voice went, Escandad. And granddad said, take a plate to the kitchen then. So what was Little Leg's response? Kitchen that way, Gandad. <laughs> and she literally stood there and went, Kitchen that way, Gandad. Well, <laughs> he just looked at her as if he couldn't believe that the cheek of this two-year-old telling me to take my, or three-year-old telling me to take my plate out to the kitchen was absolutely unbelievable. And he called her Little Leg's. Well, they both called her little legs right up until the day, obviously, that Dad died. Unfortunately, with Mum with her vascular dementia, it did get to a stage where she didn't know who her own children were, let alone who her grandchildren were. But that's all part and parcel of that really, really nasty, horrible disease. But to show you how, how close they were, my dad actually looked after my mum right up until the moment that she died. He refused to allow her to go into a nursing home because they had made the decision that neither of them were leaving the property that they lived in. That the only way that they were going out They did was make in, a running joke of it being like the only way that we're ever leaving this house ever again. Is in a body bag? In a body bag. And the last time that my granddad said that, I looked at him and went, um... Um, so did you want your tea, Grandad? <laughs> and he laughed and he went, Is that the day, is that, the day that you forgot to give him his teeth? And he called out. <laughs> it looks very smelling. nice, it smells very nice. But how the hell am I supposed to eat it? What do you mean, Grandad? Have you not got any cutlery? No, I've got my cutlery. I need me bloody teeth. <laughs> He was, a, he was a comic. As I said, Saf and I looked after him for the last eight months and one week of his life. And I can say that for every month that we were there, every morning, we would hear my granddad say, Early one morning, just as day was dawning. Granddad! <laughs> or, the boy stood on the burning deck. Oh, fuck. It's hot. <laughs> Dad, language. What? After Mum died, he just seemed to become that sailor again. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of ifs, buts and coconuts that came out of his mouth. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, he made the decision after Mum died that, or after Nan Nan died, that he wasn't going to drive again. I actually went outside and I wanted to kiss the ground and jump up and down and do a hallelujah dance because I could not imagine my 87-year-old dad getting in the car and driving after not being on the road for two years. I took him out in the car and he came and after a while he said to me, the reason that he had made that decision is that there's too many idiots on the road nowadays. And he is not wrong. So he didn't drive again. But even up until he was very... Um, I don't want to say crafty, but he he knew what he was doing. He he really did know what he was doing. He 
He always had a way about something. Absolutely. He always had a way about something. It was like when um, we were talking about his it, one of his first cars that he had. He was telling me everything that was wrong with it. But he knew that that car would still work. Everyone was telling him to get rid of it. And he went, no, it's my car. I will fix everything I need to. And it still runs. It gets me from A to B. So why am I going to get rid of it? Because it cost you an awful lot of money, Granddad. That's why. <laughs> but that was back in the day when car parts weren't that expensive. No, they they weren't. <laughs> and then for some reason they just excelled through the roof. I, I look at some of the cars that he has had over the years and we've come to the conclusion, actually, that... This family just has bad luck with cars. <laughs> no, not bad luck with cars. I think it's... Um, I, I think we've come to the conclusion. Dad was always a, I can fix that. I can fix that. Or I'll keep it and I'll fix it. Yeah, I'll keep it and I'll fix it. Or I'll keep that because I'll need that later. And we've it's become a standing, standard running joke now. Standard standing running joke. When things we do things or we say things, uh, especially when we were clearing out mum and dad's cottage, we suddenly realised that there is a kind of a little bit of a a little bit of a <laughs> just, a just a little bit a line of autism within the family. So we've making big jokes about it and you know, hello autism, how you doing? On his it became desk even more prominent when my uncle came over and his ADHD just burst at the seams wanting to sort out the house and I said no because we know where everything is. And he looked at me like I was crazy and I said, I've been here for the last eight and a half months. Don't touch anything unless I say throw it in the bin. Oh no, bless him. I know it did his head in. Because he just wanted to pick up a load of things and throw them in the bin because they weren't needed. How many hard drives that were in kind of pieces did we find on the shelf Oh, next to the computer? We found about eight, nine hard, um, hard drives, and then we found about seven motherboards. Don't know what he had the motherboards for, but he just had the motherboards for um, everything. Answers Asus, on... Asus, Dell, Toshiba, he had all of them. Answers on a postcard. Why would an 87-year-old man want a drone? Yeah, he had a drone. I think it might have been to keep an eye on the bunnies when they were coming into the garden and trying to eat all the flowers from the fields. I think what he also did was use the drone and when he used to sit in the summer house, if you could call it that. <laughs> um, sorry, Andrew. I think he used it when he was down at the summer house to fly over the fields at the back because yeah. they were literally out in the middle of nowhere. The little church next to the complex that they used to live in. It still has its original no, old, old Norman, Norman, Norman door. And it's they raised funds to get the bell tower fixed in St Andrews. And they they played hard to keep the church actually open. Oh yeah. It would be such a shame to see that church St Andrews actually go go to pots and ruin. I don't think they would ever be able to close it because it's a grade listed building. It's had a lot of work put in over the years. There are still committees for the church, but it was more active when Nan and Grandad were 
um, church wardens and they were the church elders. elders. They, yeah. they were the ones that kept up the Sunday morning um, services mass. there. Like and they yeah. would have the they would have the Easter celebrations. They would do something for the Easter egg hunts. Yeah, they would the do coffee the Easter mornings. egg hunts all around the little village that they had, and all the way over to the village hall. And then there'd be a coffee morning after the Easter egg hunt was done. And then they'd have bake sales or the village fates and when the village picnics yeah. the church picnics as well and then it just dwindled a bit because granddad was getting challenged by someone and somebody with an alter ego yeah and granddad knew that he was in the right everyone else knew that granddad was in the right but this well because if he wasn't in the right he your grandmother would over. not your grandmother would not have your grandmother would not have left the church at the same time as an elder as he did so whatever went on was between between them and the church i'm, I'm not going to get into that one but what we can say is that afterwards there was a real breakdown of people going into the church and yeah. going to church services and i think they probably hold it once a month now there but you know it's a shame because it is a lovely a lovely little village and it's a lovely little church but going back to Malcolm and Pat, we told you that um, Malcolm was very into amateur dramatics. He carried that through after he passed away. And I can all see you sitting there going, what the hell does she mean by that? Well, Side note, if you've ever watched Gotham, it's quite handy to know for the next part. <laughs> Mainly because of Robin Lord Taylor. God, he's a good actor. Oh my so, gosh. <laughs> my dad passed away at 14 minutes past seven on the 11th of March 2022. My brother uh, Peter and his wife Jazz, my sister in law, had travelled from Bulgaria non stop from the Wednesday afternoon. And they made it with one hour and 15 minutes. Yep. No, yeah, an hour and 15 minutes before my dad actually took his final breath. Or before our dad took his final breath. So, you know, we are sat there during the morning um, with my aunts and my brother, my sister-in-law my daughter um i can't remember if anybody else was there at that time the district nurse came in to i know that um my great aunties were on their way they were about half an hour 40 minutes away uh, i rang them at six o'clock um and they arrived with they passed, they passed the, the um, community nurses yeah. going out. The community nurses had come in. Um, I'd given them a call to say, listen, you, you need to come in. He's The death rattle in his throat is, is really, really prominent. I don't think he's got long. They came in and they adjusted his um, syringe, syringe driver. driver and came downstairs one of them came downstairs and said listen we're just about to move your dad up the bed to make him a little bit more comfortable and there is every chance that he may pass away whilst we're actually doing it um 
would you like to be in the room with us? My brother and I didn't even answer. We got up and went straight upstairs. We were then joined by Saf and Jazz. They moved my dad up the bed. They made him comfortable. I was holding his hand and stroking his cheek. And the nurses left. He was still with us at that stage. And they passed my two aunts on the front lawn. And my aunts knew just by the reaction of one of the nurses that it wasn't going to be long. They got upstairs and within about three minutes of them actually being in the room, three, four minutes of them being in the room, my dad took his, what we thought was his final breath. And we all sort of like gasped. And then it was like a gotcha moment because he then took another breath in. I stroked his face, his cheek, whilst I was holding his hand. Kissed him on the head and I whispered in his ear, come on, mum's waiting for you. Better not be late. And with that, he took his final breath and passed away. As I said, that was 14 minutes past seven in the morning. At half past midnight, I've phoned the undertakers back up and I've asked them where they are. And they told me that they weren't coming until the Monday. <laughs> And yeah. I, I actually not laughed and I said, you can't leave him here all weekend. What You, you, you just can't do that. So they phoned around and they found um, the co-op East Anglia Funeral Services run by the co-op. And they came out to pick my dad up. But we were told at one o'clock that I'd receive a phone call to let us know when they were coming. Anyway... They arrived at half past three, just as Saf and I were getting ourselves comfortable on our individual um, reclining chairs. There was suddenly bang, bang, bang on the front door. I've opened the front door and, well, I always knew he liked his amateur dramatics and his theatricals because stood in front of me was Penguin from Gotham. Yes, he was. The absolute and utter spitting image all the way down to the actual way that Penguin looks in the movie with his eyes looking up. It was, I think, the last dramatic thing that Governor Malcolm actually did. Governor Pat, she created an absolute rainstorm. <laughs> On oh, the yes, day of her did. memorial. Yes, she did. Because she had left the instructions that that wasn't to happen. But her popularity overrode that. So from Saf and I at Governor's World, that's an insight of the Governors. So from us, have a good afternoon.
a lovely week. Keep yourself safe, happy, and away from negativity. Take care.